Hey, brother, how's it going, man? Oh, man. Just turning you up a bit. Am I off? Yeah, I can hear you. Awesome, brother. How's it going, man? Yeah, it's good. I've just seen that uh, picture of you uh, dancing with that 90 year old woman at the, at the <laughs> wedding. <laughs> man, that was one heck of a night here, man. That was um, a wedding that I hosted, and it was at, uh, I don't know if you remember the. There's a there's a hotel just off of Young and King, and the funny story about that is I was dancing. You know me, I was dancing, I was doing my thing, and I actually accidentally and I seen my manager's eyes. He was like, "Watch out behind you," and he was like looking at me, and I accidentally bumped her. So there was this very awkward pause because everyone was looking <laughs> at us. Everyone was like, "Oh my god!" Like that's the groom's grandmother. Like, and I'm like. And then she started dancing, and so I was like, ah! So, like, and that's the picture that they, they got of, of us like yeah. this, right? So, thanks, man. That was sick. How you been? So this week, I've got entertainment host, social influencer, and dance master... It's Devonte Burry, aka Devo D. I <laughs> love that intro. How's it going, man? Hi, good. Thank you very much for coming on my little podcast. Love it. It's not often I get famous people like you on here. Oh gosh, man! I'm hey, I'm honored to be on here. You're you're first and foremost a friend, so I'll I'll always be on the podcast, whether it's small or big, which I'm sure it will be big soon. So we'll start with uh, where it began, you know, um, you're from a place called Chatham-Kent in Ontario. It's not far from the border with Detroit. What's the area yep. like there? And tell us anything you remember from that time. Um, well, it was, I was born in a manger. <laughs> uh, just joking. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, Chatham is a, a very suburban area. It's, um, like you just stated before, it's just on top of Detroit near Windsor. It's, it, Honestly, my cousins actually lived out there. So when my mom had me as a child, she happened to be in Chatham. It's a really small town, a lot of farm, you know, nothing's really there. Like I said, I was born in a manger. So <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's a quiet uh, place. The fun thing about that, or I guess fun fact about Chatham and Windsor even, is that's where Harriet Tumlin uh, would bring a lot of the slave runaways. So I was kind of born in history, if you uh, believe it or not. That's kind of the the love I have for Chatham. And, and then knowing more about the indigenous communities and like, you know, all that stuff out there. It's, it's yeah, it's a really nice spot. Do you know there's a, a Chatham in England? There is? Yeah. And guess where it is? It's in the county of Kent. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think that. Wow. So I feel like then, if anything, Chatham, Kent, right, would be uh the 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 junior the og <laughs> that's sick i didn't even know that man do you have any siblings yeah i do uh believe it or not on my dad's side i have there's seven wow. of us i'm the second oldest um there's two girls and five boys yeah <laughs> that's a lot of boys to have around i know we got the boys the boys club and what did your parents do for work well my mom gratefully enough uh she did work as a receptionist for a bit, but became an entrepreneur real quick. You know, she was in health uh, and beauty for a while. And uh, she's now graduated uh, into 
becoming a mentor for young women. So she has a mentorship called Mirror Mirrors. And my dad, my dad is an entrepreneur as well. Um, I, I like to call him Robin, not Robin Hood in a way, not that he steals from the rich and gives to the poor, but he's, uh, he's always finding ways to make money and also doing stuff for the community. And, and for his community, for his family and stuff, as much Great. as possible. So I kind of got the the best blend of both worlds. Yeah, that, ex- that explains a lot about where you've come from, yeah? Yeah. So did you go to school when you were down there, or, or was that later when you moved? Oh, no, yeah. I was so I was super, super young. Like, I barely stayed, like, my birth certificate says Chatham, but I was raised <laughs> in Toronto. So I went uh, to school in Toronto. I In Weston. The West End, yeah, yeah. And so uh, were you a good student at school? Uh, I was. I was a good student, but I was definitely the class clown, man. Like, <laughs> I, I, every every report card, every report card, D, uh, Devante is such a great student, but he talks too much. <laughs> <laughs> the only subject I did, like, phenomenal in, and even then I still got feedback, was drama. Yep. <laughs> He's a great student, but he talks too much. I just, you know, I was the chatterbox. Yeah, you know, I, uh-huh. I seen school outside of those four walls. I was fortunate, and again, like I said with my mom, I was very fortunate to see what the real world was like. And so uh, me being in school, I was like, oh man, these marks, they don't, these marks are are whatever. This won't dictate how I make money. (laughs) You know, I would take it seriously to to an extent, but um, I was the class clown. I had fun. I enjoyed school. You know, there was tough times that you go through in school. You're growing up, you're a teenager. You know, even as a young, as a preteen, you know, you're you're going through things in life and it's tough to communicate how you're feeling with anybody because, you know, everyone else around you is adults. So you only could really, I guess, relate to your friends. But then you're also at a point where you just want to make things fun. Things can't be so serious all the time. Tell us the story behind your Obama song that you made. Oh, man, the Obama song. Well, it's there's so many layers to that. First, I have to really... Uh, pay homage to uh, Mr. Reed, who created this extracurricular program for us called the ACLC, which stands for the African Canadian Leadership Committee. So through that program, he just brought a bunch of the students together and really helped us learn these skills to be uh, successful in the real world. You know, we had to really think on our feet. Yo, he did not play with us, man. (laughs) We, we, We could not pass anything through him if it you know if it wasn't at a specific level and I love that he gave us that amount of pressure um, so through that uh, program kind of stemmed out another program called Weston to the world because I went to Weston Collegiate we typically open our black history month assemblies with videos so Miss Fargo whom funny fun full circle I'll get to it in a bit but I actually live near or literally live across the street where she brought us for a barbecue one day and I'll kind of I'll, I'll I'll come back to that story but she said you know we're doing this um we're doing a song she came to one of our meetings and uh we you know we want to know if anyone wants to be a part of it uh typically we do something before black history month Mr. Reed looked at us and he's like you guys don't want to do it because we didn't raise our hands we're like now nah, we're the cool kids we're not going to be in this lame video <laughs> and I looked at Terrell and, Ter- and, and Terrell said I'll do it if you do it. And so I'm like, all right, if I'm going to have my best friend in it, then I'll do it too. That year, Obama got inaugurated. So we were like, yo, that's crazy. Like, we're part of African Canadian Leadership Committee. You know, we're, we're about to witness history. 
it's great for the com for that community you know western area well it's tough to say minority in canada because i feel like the minority is the majority <laughs> true, true but uh you know the urban area the where a lot of the the black students would be and um we made this song and he got inaugurated and we made it in a day 24 hours man right before we watched his inauguration and uh, Miss Fargo printed out his entire inauguration and gave different students lines to say from it. Now there was a core group from that, myself, Terrell, uh, if they hear this podcast, they're gonna hate me if I forget some of their names, but Monique was in it, Joel, Mike, all those guys. And uh, we had the opportunity to make our own lyrics. And so Terrell, he ghost wrote, wrote for me cause I was horrible at rapping in school. You know, we got a great response from our school and um, we ended up getting on the news here, you know, CP24, or we got a response from the Ellen Show. All right. Yeah, we were featured on CNN uh, and it got as far from what I know, it got as far as Michelle's brother ended up seeing the video. Her brother reached out to our teacher and said, this is awesome. And if you're trying to get in touch with the White House, Michelle saw it and there was like three different numbers that we had to call in order for us to contact them. It was nuts, but <laughs> we, we got a response from Ellen and they wanted us on the show. And unfortunately my school said no, they wouldn't let our teacher travel with us to go to LA. It was oh, nuts. They were I know, <laughs> it was crazy. So what she ended up doing, uh, she brought us to much music. She's like, all right, fine, whatever. They won't let us go there. I'm gonna have a barbecue at my house for the kids. It was like 13 of us. And she's like, you know what, guys, we're gonna wear these Obama song Toronto t-shirts that I got for us. And we're gonna go to much music and we're just gonna sit in the show and just enjoy ourselves. That's kind of where my career started now. Cause I went to much music and I seen everything, but yeah, the Obama song, man, it was a big game changer for me. We went to Apple together and you always busted yeah. some pretty sick dance moves. <laughs> Did you have lessons for dancing or is it just something you self-taught? <laughs> It was self-taught, man. Um, yeah, first of all, working at Apple was phenomenal. I, I must say that was a huge contribution to my life. This, I mean, you, you know, yourself and just the staff being there for me. You know, I was the baby of the family, right? I was 18 years old, so I was still in high school and we were dancing in high school. We were, you know, that's the era where uh, America's Best Dance Crew was a thing. And the Jabberwockies was one of my favorite like dance crews. And so it was for a lot of my friends. So we would just dance together. We would just like at lunch, after school, at home. I mean, dancing's been a part of my life, you know, since Sean Paul back in the day, you know. Sean Paul, Sean Paul, something for the day, you know, right? So it was like, it was like then I was like dancing and really loving that whole thing. And then um, eventually got into, you know, it a bit more seriously at school. And we did our talent shows and stuff. And, yeah, man. And then at Apple, like I would be, you know, the guy like dancing on the table, <laughs> man, what, <laughs> whatever it took me, Natalie would be dancing. Like, you know, it, it was, it was, yeah, that was, that's dancing's always been a part of my life. And I feel like whether you could dance or not, something I've been able to hone in on is, you know, getting the best out of people, you know, making them have a good time. And so like that, that photo you've seen on Instagram of me dang, dancing with a 90 year old woman, no matter what age, no matter what race, yo man, we're here to have a great time. You said your teach took you to much music and obviously that probably got you interested then. How did you end up working for them? 
I was just like that gym rat that would just never <laughs> leave. I was at every show. I remember leaving Apple early just to try to get downtown just so that I could be on the show. And then I eventually started to network. I didn't even know what, like, I mean, I knew what networking was, but like, you know, at a time you're just ambitious, you know, you, you just want anything and however you just do it, you know? For me, I would just constantly go down there. And finally I met this one guy, shout out to Kwame, who was um, the floor director for much. And he was the one, he said, he's like, Devo, you, you want an opportunity here? Come down here as often as possible and just start talking to everyone. Start getting to know everyone to the point, man, Jay, I, I knew the security guards there, man. Like, they were like, yo, man, you missed yesterday. Yo, where were you? And I was like, man, bad, I was working late shift, you know? <laughs> I went there and, and through that, I found a lot of opportunity. Got to really be on set a lot. Got to talk to the hosts, like, you know, the VJs back in the day, Scott Willits, uh, Phoebe Dykstra, Lauren Toyota, uh, T-Rex, obviously one of my favorites. Man, I had the honor of speaking to George Strompo. He follows me and follows my content now and really enjoys it. So Great. it's, yeah, it's, it, it was just about grinding, man. Just <laughs> being there every day. You know? And if I wasn't there, I was dancing on tables at Apple. <laughs> it was one or the other. <laughs> I might be wrong here, but I think after you left Apple, that was when you became the co-producer at Best Fan. Is that right? Yes. So I was, I was, I was interning with Best Fan at Apple. I started to see more opportunity. You know, and I felt like it was time and to think, man, you're 18 years old, man, working at Apple. Like, I mean, think about it. my bread, you know, Terrell's still working there because it's a phenomenal spot to be at. Right. Like you get benefits, you're young, you're getting money, you don't have to pay rent. But, you know, I, I took the leap of faith, man. And I just said, yo, I have to do it because I really loved much music because of the culture. And so when I got that same opportunity with Best Fan, I had to take it, even if I wasn't getting paid. I was like, man. I would rather not get paid and do this for the rest of my life than fucking work at Yorkdale. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. At the end of the day, I looked at it as like, look, I'm, I'm just working at a mall. I'm working at a really dope company, but like, fuck, I want to get out of these four walls and kind of explore the world and travel and shit. And yeah, yeah. Best fan, I, I interviewed Trey Songs. I, I, I think you might, you might have remembered that time. Yeah, yeah. Trey Songs, man. And I, and man, I was just like, yo. And that's when he was like the biggest in R&B at that time. So. And then the next following week, I did Fifth Harmony. And then a few months later, I did Pentatonix. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is where I got to be. But Best Fan was awesome. Shout out to Danny Reiner, who is, he was the producer and founder of Best Fan, him and Greg, I think. I, I found a lot of opportunity through Best Fan. And I started to realize how progressive everything was going towards the internet. Danny told me, he's like, you know, TV's going to die soon. And this was in prime much music days. So I'm like, no way. But I started to see YouTube slowly flourish. You know, people started to slowly make money off of YouTube. And I started to see viewerships leave from television and go online. So with Best Fan, it was the same thing. They were getting about a million impressions a month, man. Nice. Still to this day, I, you know, I still have tabs in, in Best Fan. And, you know, if I need anything to really be shared on that platform, I have access to it. But And who was your favorite interview? Wow, it's tough because you always want to go your first big breakout, which was for me was Trey Songs. Amber Rose was sick. Oh my gosh, Amber, she let me touch her butt. So that was cool. <laughs> like Julie Black was awesome to interview, man. She really helped like just putting me under her wing and really showing me the industry. Um, I'm going to say, why don't he's up there as well? I'm going to say Sean Mendes. Right, yeah, right. my boy Sean, man, because he's from, you know, he's from the neighborhood. Such a sweetheart. 
funny guy and off the camera like he's hilarious like so i'd have to say sean man have you ever been interviewing someone and you've just been like so starstruck you can't get the words out you you just like freeze sort of thing no no i think when you see them for the first time you're like holy shit <laughs> i got my first holy shit moment with with trey songs and everyone else you pretty much still get that drake i got that holy shit moment i was like holy shit like that's oh like he just same thing with LeBron. I was like, "Holy LeBron James!" Like, <laughs> holy! Like, I hate you as a player because you know, obviously, you kill us every time they're afters. But man, LeBron! Like, LeBron! You know. <laughs> so, I got another woe moment when I got to um, when I seen uh, Beyonce, but it was like from a distance, and she was kind of close, but like we were all in the same vicinity. And Jay-Z's mom was there. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what is going on? Like this is, it was in Philadelphia too, the most random spot, but oh well, it was made in America, which is his concert that he produces every year, right? You've presented at a lot of music festivals and red carpet events and things like that. Firstly, what's it like being up on the stage in front of all those people, but also being able to mingle with the stars backstage? Fortunately enough, at the end of my high school career, and I had to, you know, you had to speak in front of the students. And we had about 4,000 students at our school. I remember standing behind the curtain, getting ready to go on stage and I'm making jokes with everyone. Like, and uh, I remember Teresa's younger brother came up to me and he looked at me and he's like, how could you not get nervous? And I'm like, you know what? If I make a fool of myself, I make a fool of myself. But if the crowd laughs, then I did something right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, you know, you can't be quite nervous. So like, yeah, when you see thousands of people, I think there was a couple shows that I performed at that were like surreal for me. The Six Fest, which was like 10,000 university students. It's just a sea of people. You can't even give a shit at that point. <laughs> like there's just so many people that could see you. So just do what you need to do on stage, you know, like do whatever it is. And then there was another time where Sean Paul actually called me up on stage to dance with him. Uh, no there was like 20,000 people and they were just going wild. So that also gave me some energy. You know what I'm saying? It was like a really fun thing to be a part of. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. My grandfather was a pastor growing up, right? And a bishop. So I was very used to seeing him in, on stage in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people. And sometimes as a child, I would go run up with him, you know, like, I just want to be in front of everybody, you know, like crazy. Backstage isn't every, what everyone think it is. It's just, it's a bunch of like rooms and, you know, it's not like this nice, like literally backstage, the artists typically are in their, you know, um, separate rooms. in their separate rooms. They're, you know, they're doing their thing. And uh, I think We Day is like the only concert, they have like a nice, area where everyone could kind of hang out and then they have separate rooms before you go on stage it's cool though when you are backstage and you're mingling you're talking ideally that's where you get to connect and network i don't know if you see sam smith you know what i'm saying he's backstage that's an opportunity to network with not him in particular but his management right that's right. who you want to connect with and figure out so me it's cool. It's 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 really cool. It's 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 awesome to be able to constantly go out in front of people and um, you know I got to tour this year. It's or last year. It's something I can't quite explain, but I promise the backstage part isn't the, all the hype everyone thinks. <laughs> um, red carpets, however, are awesome. I've recently done the one in L.A. and I think that might have been my 
biggest and craziest experience. It was at, it was for the premiere um, for Dr. Sleep. It was in it was in West Hollywood, of course. And Will Smith, right. like I'm talking like the biggest of the biggest, the craziest, the craziest stars you'd ever think walked that red carpet. Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, obviously Drake, everybody, every single actor, everyone you know, walked that red carpet. And I had the honor of doing it. And everything you think a red carpet is, is exactly what it is. Man. <laughs> it's just like cameras, people yelling at you from all sorts of outlets. You know, you get to see TMZ. You're like, oh my God, TMZ, yo, what's up? Like, <laughs> I was, yeah, I, ha- I was very, very blessed and fortunate to be representing Canada as one of the entertainment hosts. You know, they invite the top journalists and media influencers all around the world. And obviously, I mean, it's Warner, right? Warner, Warner Brothers has a budget. So I was staying at the Kimpton Hotel, beautiful spot, you know, Lamborghinis and everything around you. They had a, a Mercedes Benz Sprinter van nice. pick us up and drop us off anywhere we wanted to go uh, the four days that we were there. Um, we had a couple days off. They gave us per deal. Like, it was just like the superstar shit that you really, it, it was that. I'm not going to lie. L.A., <laughs> they really... You know, they really make sure that you're kept well and, and taken care of. That part, I should say, is the hype is definitely what it is. And do you have an agent that gets you these type of gigs? Uh, so I, it's, it's not complicated, but I am technically a freelancer. Uh, so I do have an, a phenomenal management company, uh, Fourth Floor, who helps me with my digital campaigns. So all those fun segments you see me with like McDonald's and stuff and they find like a great and even I mean for myself as well, uh, I come up with the concept ideas and, you know, they really help find and align my vision with the with the clients as well. So, you know, they do such a good job. Um, I got my boy Danny Reiner. Uh, He is like the biggest mentor that I could have. Big brother, really. And uh, he definitely helps me a lot with. you know, how my business is, is structured and, you know, helping me have a, a, a bigger vision and understanding how this industry works. So, yeah, I'm a bit of a, you know, I'm a freelancer. You know, I got my own business. I, I worked super hard for it. It's not easy at all. You know, building from scratch and starting from scratch and, um, you know, with an amazing uh, team of people around myself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's hard, but it's good. Have you ever had any of your fans send you weird things in the mail? Yeah, recently I got razor blades from India. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Like, just genuinely, I don't know if that meant like, Devo, you need to shave. <laughs> or, but it was a genuine gift. Like, it was like, hey, Devo, I'm a big fan. Here are some razor blades. And I was like, what? What? But I was like, sick. Thanks, man. <laughs> and they were like, good quality too. I was like, oh my gosh, like, that's insane. Um, but now I have a P.O. box, so yeah. hopefully I'm not going to be weird mail anymore. But You're not in the underwear or anything like that? Not yet, so I'll, we'll have to figure out the P.O. box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think not too bad, though. Like, I've had people send me some cute stuff, you know, drawings and stuff. And it's hilarious because it's letters to me to tell Justin Bieber they said hi. <laughs> like, oh, man, I'm a big fan. Um, I love you so much. Oh, also, could you tell, like, Justin, I said hi. And if you see, like, it's just, it's cute stuff. But I'm like, all right. And you know what? To my credit, I, I genuinely do keep those letters. 
And anytime that I do see any of those celebs, even if it's for 10 seconds, especially like, why don't we? I'll have all this fan mail that I'm like, I don't, I know they're not gonna keep, but I'm like, look, you know, I got some of these, if I'm hanging out with them on the Hail Boys, let me show you some stuff. Like these are some from some of your fans, this girl's from the UK, you know, this person's from Africa, this person from the Philippines, and uh, they appreciate it. So, you know, it's, it's, I like to still be that connector yeah. between you know, the fans and the artists. It's pretty cool. I've had a look back through um, a lot of your social media. You're now like an influencer and you do a lot of videos and things. And you've come quite a long way because you started off, you had like all your mum's clutter in the background. You've got a laptop sat on an ironing yeah. board. And, <laughs> you know. I, I thought I was hiding those videos. <laughs> but now you've got a pro setup and you've got to work with some quite big brands like uh, Grey Goose Vodka, Cheetos, Bacardi. What are your favorite brands that you've been asked to work with? Honestly, I like all of them, but <laughs> <laughs> Roots is always fun. I'm wearing them right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Roots, Roots puts together some really fun events. Recently, a partnership that I'm about to do is with Scene, Cineplex. Oh, yeah. They have a really cool concert, digital concert coming out very shortly that I'm going to be hosting. And they always seem to be doing fun stuff. Amazon, Amazon Prime Video. I have to say that those guys, they're so creative and they have one hell of a budget. <laughs> I did something for, right, I think it's called Finding Hannah or Hannah. Theme of the show was this girl, her dad kept her in the, in the woods uh, for a long time because the world was going crazy and there was this one world order. But she had like some sort of power or some, he had some secret about her. And um, he kept her sheltered and so, she eventually gets in contact with someone else. She finds another boy and she's like, oh my God, there's other people out here. It's not just myself. And so that's kind of the storyline. And you know, this boy spreads word that she exists and now the police is trying to capture her because now they found whatever they were trying to find. For that gig, they had us in a SUV, like a black SUV, and they had actors around the city of Toronto and we had to find Hannah. And so I, I had a partner, I'll shout out to Nora. I partnered up with Nora. There was people that would give us clues. They would say, yeah, um, I'm talking like Jay, I'm talking man. They had like glasses, they had suits on, like police were around them. And like, we had to go on a boat. And like this one lady was like, yeah, she's at the building over there. So you gotta go to the building and ask for a guy. His name is James and tell James, red umbrella so now we have to go all the way across the city and we're and mind you you're getting timed because she's running away from you uh, you know you go there and you know they're like oh look at these binoculars so now i'm on the rooftop of some building looking at the binoculars and i see the red umbrella we're like oh shit we have to go now all the way to that <laughs> oh man it was so cool we have to go all the way <laughs> to that uh field and you know, the SUVs downstairs waiting and we're running, we're vlogging at the same time. We're like, yo, we're almost there. And we're getting all these fun clues. And eventually you lead up to the event. So like you're doing this whole thing for like 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally you get to the event and they premiere the video for you. And it's just like the coolest experience ever. So McDonald's is always cool because you get free food and my wife loves McDonald's. Oh, there you go. Well, I'll have to send you all some uh, some coupons and stuff that I get because <laughs> there's like these limited edition Big Mac coins that I got, and you could get uh -huh. a free Big Mac 
and, and they gave me like 30 or like 50, like a, a lot. Like I remember just like having them. And yeah, you could go to any McDonald's in Canada and just show them that and they would give you a Big Mac. I was with, I was with my grandmother at the time. So, you know, I, I would feed her every so often with, with Big Macs. And, <laughs> and if I felt like, you know what? I want to have a Big Mac for lunch right now. And that sort of stuff, getting paid through like endorsements and things like that must be quite a difficult job because everyone's trying to do it out there. Everyone's trying to have their own TikTok shows yeah. or their own YouTube videos and stuff like that. So there's there's, no, there's only so much audience to go around, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. It's just like, you know, well, for me, I, I've learned something and I could share this with you. It, and for those who want to listen and take it, it's it's really about consistency, man. The reason I found success in what I'm doing is because I'm consistent. Yeah. Whether I get a thousand views, whether I get one, it's just a matter of, you know, constantly posting what you love to do, number one, and finding, yeah, finding your niche and finding what you love to do, man. And if it's, it, think about this for a minute. Out of 7 billion people, let's just give the odd, let's say four and a half billion people in the world have access to the internet, right? Let's just say. And even the biggest of biggest artists only get a couple million or a few million or even maybe the Justin Bieber's and the Drake's and the size of the world will get a billion views, right? There are so many people out there that you could genuinely connect with. I know my content will be noticed eventually, whether it's by one or by thousands or by millions of people. I just got to be consistent at it and it will grow to those millions. And like you were saying, the word of mouth is always going to be number one. It does get tough in the beginning. I just feel like if you're consistent, you'll win. Have you ever turned down any sponsorships? Has there been anything offered to you that's just like too weird or doesn't fit your brand? Oh, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. I've, I've turned down a lot of offers, a lot more than I people think that I say yes to. If you're seeing me with a lot of brand partnerships, just know that I said no to more than double that. Just like you said, it's just, it doesn't fit on brand. It, it, it doesn't relate with my audience. For a while, I had a lot of preteens as my core and I had guys like Trojan reaching out to me, which yeah, practice safe sex, but like some of the stuff they wanted me to do, I was like, nah, like that's not who I am and that's not what my brand gives a shit about right now. They just want to know when the fuck Justin Bieber's coming out with an album. <laughs> <laughs> Even with some of the offers that I recently got, I, I, I almost turned down, but you know, you just kind of have to see what will be best for your brand, like you were saying before. And uh, I mean, in your contracts, sometimes they ask that you keep it up for six months, 12 months, um, which is exclusivity, so they have to pay for that. I'm at a point now where I don't need a quick money grab, so I'm, I'm not just gonna do anything just because they're giving me money. My le I understand how valuable now uh, Devo D Live Entertainment is as a brand. It's so it's it's worth millions. It's just kind of where I'm at now in my career. But I always urge people, even at the beginning, to do that and have that confidence to just know to say no. You involve your mum a lot in your content. I think it's brilliant that you show the bond that you have together and include her in your experience. Does she enjoy being a star on your show? Yeah, no, was, I, yeah, she's, she's getting into it now because she has her own social media platforms. And uh, I remember we had a conversation last year and she was like, yeah, I think I'm ready to really jump into it. You know, she, yeah, she loves it. And it's cool because no one thinks she's my mom. Everyone thinks she's my sister or my girlfriend. It's always one or the other. <laughs> and so it's that cool, the relationship and bond that we have I feel that people admire. And yeah, we're, we're coming out with our podcast back. We're coming back with season two of Mom and Son Podcast. And we'll love to have you on it. Yeah, so yeah. 
you got it. We'll, we'll, we'll hit you up as soon as we start doing our, um, we, we start drafting our guests. Right. But so, yeah, it's been fun. She's loving it. She's getting into it now. She has her TikTok and YouTube channel and all that stuff. And she's slowly immersing herself into that world. And, you know, she's becoming a star herself for her own. Technology is changing a lot. What do you see the future of social media being? It's changing a lot. It's becoming more mobile. Everything is now very simple to create. When you have a platform like TikTok that requires such low quality, <laughs> like it's like entry level. I mean, grandparents are on it. You know what I'm saying? They don't even know how to use their phone. But they're on, they're literally on. Yeah, I feel like I'm too old to be on that. No, man, trust me, I promise you, man, these people are thriving off of, because when you have a billion people on a platform a month, <laughs> you attack that platform, yeah. <laughs> right? Because that's where all the eyes are. If, if no one's seeing your content, it's because everyone's over here. Right. You know, for me, I feel like everything is becoming smaller. I always encourage people to use what they have at home. Don't, you don't need to go out of your way and get the biggest, best camera. You know, you don't need to get the craziest microphone. You don't need to get the craziest lights. Do with what you got. Like you were saying before, man, my crummy basement, you know, I had a, you know, I, I put that laptop on an ironing board, you know, like it was, there's wires in the background. And I remember funny that she brought, you brought that up. I, uh, it was uncle Eddie Ed, it was Eddie and Terry and, uh, Doug. And they were all like Devo, like, you know, we love your YouTube videos, but what the hell's about what's going on behind you? You know what I'm saying? Like, what the hell? And you, you know, Eddie, his, his American accent, he's like, what the hell, man? Like, you gotta switch that up, man. You gotta switch that up. I remember renovating my basement because I wanted to take it seriously, you know? And like I was saying, there were people just on YouTube. So if I wanted to have a nice aesthetic or a nice background, or I had to like put myself in that position. So yeah, I, I found myself uh, studying technology a lot more and understanding how to make do with what I got. And uh, it's funny, I've, I've kind of gone back to my roots now. I'm just, I'm just honestly using my phone. I have my laptop. And at most, I got a, a, a monitor to really see what I'm editing at a and, and, you know, drag things in as quick as possible. But social media, I think it's just going to get easier and it's just going to be all on your phone. Um, so have you got any projects coming up in the future that you just want to tell us about? Yeah, man. Um, Bro, I got to come to the UK soon. My cousins that live out there, they're DJs. Um, yeah, they're big DJs out there. So, uh, but uh, they're doing, they work on the radio for Kiss, Kiss FM out there. The Dixon Bros, man, those are my guys. Those are my cousins. Cool. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the DJs now there. So, so I'm like, I seen them killing it. I'm like, God, I got to get into this DJ game. <laughs> right now, I am, I'm expanding my brand and I am a part of a DJ group called the Party Boys. I was saying before, we recently just got off of tour with my boy Tyler Shaw, uh, a, a national tour, so from all across Canada. I mean, Tyler's, if not the biggest pop artist right now in Canada, right? I know we know the Shawn Mendes and the Justin Bieber's and stuff, but I'm talking like someone who's actually dominating radio here, it's Tyler. We got to tour with him last year and opened up, and my buddy and I, who think of us like the 2020 uh, LMFAO, right? Or like uh another version of outcast or you know but we're ourselves and it's cool we we we're putting you know we're releasing music now so we're on spotify we have a few other uh projects that we've worked on that's going to be coming out so you're going to see it so hopefully 
maybe both of us are back on your show um, talking about new music. And uh, I'm about to host an event for Cineplex. They're doing a digital or scene, sorry, I should say scene. They're hosting their first ever digital concert. And I'm partnering up with uh, Universal and Shed Agency out here. So it's, yeah, it's really interesting. The next few months are gonna be fun. Um, music, I would say there's gonna be a lot more TikTok content, some more dance moves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's exciting. And hopefully if the Raptors win a, another championship, there's more to celebrate, so. Thank you so much for being on the show. Brother, thank you for having me, man. I, I'm, I'm excited that you're doing this and uh, please send me the link. I'll obviously be sharing it across all my socials and. And yeah, man, just, you know, keep doing your thing. I love that you're doing this. You've been listening to me, James Willoughby, interviewing Devo D, also called Devonte Bure. We're not going to play you out with the Obama song. What's with the suffering? We don't need that empathy and kindness is what we lack. The world is ours, gotta learn to react. We're the ones who keep the globe intact. Unite as one, exactly what we need now. Forget the hate, the greed, and never mind how. Before the master lived, now we would sadly bow. The world has changed, just like Barack vows. This is the meaning of our